Japan. How beautiful are they? Some lovely praise and worship. As I said earlier, we get to hear from Swelly this morning. And I just love about Swelly. We've had sick kids this week, so we're often on the phone to Swelly. What do we do? Do we take them to hospital? Like, are they dying? I don't know. But Swelly is always there. He's just always putting himself out there, 110% for others. He often comes last and his heart is just to pour into people. And I know this morning his heart is to pour into us and equip us. So let's give this amazing man of character a hand. And I'm um, looking forward to what you have to say this morning, Swelly. Thanks so much. I've got oh, this one today. <clears throat> I talk with my hands way too much so it's easier. I don't hold on to something. Yeah, yeah, no, I need that. <laughs> Morning, everyone. Morning. Is that a bit loud or is it just me? Maybe it's me. Is that all right? <clears throat> yeah, look, I want to really reiterate what Sarah just said then for um, Rosie and ads and stuff, mate. I just, I love music. Music gives another dimension. I don't know about you. When I first come, you know, music, <laughs> I did said it probably took me six months before I didn't laugh my whole way through singing songs. It was a really bizarre concept. That was probably the concept that struggled the most with was singing songs. But I just love that it, you get taken to another place, I think, you know, through worship and stuff. So I, I, love, I love that. And gosh, these guys punch above their weight, yeah? I, I, to have two people, I remember when we had ten, we have two, and I still get taken to the same place. So thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I need to pray this morning before I begin because I've got so much in me this morning, it's going to burst out of me, yeah? So when I pray this morning, it's for, me, it's for me this morning, nobody else, okay? So Lord, thank you so much for meeting us here today. I ask that you calm me, let me, by the words, my words fall to the ground, your words fall, flow out of me, Lord. And again, I just ask that we meet every person where we are this morning, Lord. And again, that we walk out of here stronger, better, better people, Lord, in you. And we thank you for this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Um, amen. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for agreeing with me. Um, I said to Sarah last week I was going to try a different style, you know, a bit more flowy. Every time I preach, I try to go, I'm just going to take one or two verses and just focus on them. And by the time I finish my message, I always have 50,000 uh, things. So today is no different, unfortunately. I do try, but I apologize. There's going to be lots of concepts. There's going to be lots of verses. I try to do that because, again, I don't want me just saying my things. I actually want it to actually be something that's out of the book. The other thing is, is I, just, I, want, I would really like that you know, when we, when we get to the end of this, we actually think about concepts. Today is not giving you answers. Today, all I really want to do is just stir in you concepts. And again, if you missed the verse, please just go over and have a look at it. I will say right from the beginning, I'm liberally going to borrow from other people like Dan Moller, Steve Furtick, um, Mark Ewan, Sarah Gerrards, Kath Wells, Dean, yeah. So when I stand up here, if anything intelligent comes out of my mouth, it's usually from somebody else. <clears throat> so I'll say that right from the beginning. I was talking to Mark last week, and we're talking about church and about how we're sort of, you know, we've, we're, what we've done in the past has worked, and what are we going to do to sort of move into the future? And I truly believe that the word I have this morning will be something that will equip us to do that. I'm not trying to big myself up or anything, but I really do think that hopefully what I talk about this morning is something that's going to carry us into that and will help us guide what it is. So the title of my talk today, if you are anyone who writes things down, is it's all about you, but has nothing to do with you. It's all about me and has nothing to do with me. It's all about us, but has nothing to do with us. Yeah? Alrighty. So now I've confused you. Now, at a team meeting the other week, we all gathered together and everyone had to say, what's your word for this upcoming season? And everyone else said quite spiritual things. And I said self. Yeah? 
and I will try to unpack why I said that today. Now, personally, I've been really recently challenged on what it's actually to be to be an authentic Christian, okay? I think that if we truly are going to be people that are, mo- are world changers and stuff, is that you truly have to be authentic and actually believe and do what we say. Does that make sense? And I think that it's actually really important that we actually understand sort of godly concepts, okay, that we truly understand them. You know, I mean, you don't get a builder into your house if he doesn't understand how to build. You don't get a plumber, or I don't do my job if I don't understand what goes on. So I think at the end of the day, for us to be authentic and effective Christians, we need to understand what goes on. Does that make sense? In um, the King James Version in Romans 4, 7, it actually says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Yep. So I think to me today and stuff like that, I truly like to push myself to be someone who truly understands some godly concepts. Does that make sense? Now, Mark challenged me the other week when Mark spoke. He actually said, God and and, and Jesus and this, it has to be far more than a concept. It needs to be something that's in us. It can't be something that's just a concept. Now, when I first came to church, I was very much cerebral. Yeah, it was all in my head. I had to rationalize everything out. I sat there and debated forever and stuff like that. And for many, many years in my walk, I was a real head Christian. Yeah, I was part of a church that was very, very sort of... Now, it was good because it made me look at the Bible, very Bible-based, yeah? But at the end of the day, it was a concept, yeah? God was this sort of thing out there, okay? Jesus, he was a good example, but couldn't really reach him. And the Holy Spirit, well, I really didn't understand the Holy Spirit, to be fair. I had no idea. And to be fair, it was not until I probably came to this church that I was even challenged with the concept of the Holy Spirit, yeah? Does that make sense? Okay, maybe not for some, but certainly it did for me. But I really think that God needs to be more than just a concept out there. It needs to be something that's real. Now, some of my most favorite people, um, Raviv Zachariah, I don't know if I've said his name right. Anyone know him? Yeah, Indian guy, unreal guy. Now, he will argue with every person in a secular world, and, you know, and it's all based on you know, the morals of God and stuff like that, okay? But I think God, it has to move from just being a moral thing, okay, to another thing. Again, you know, he'll say, why does a Christian have a con- I mean, why does a scientist have a conscience? Why does a scientist actually have to tell the, right, the truth? You know I mean? So he does drill down on that, but I really think that God needs to be more than just a moral code. It can't just be, am I being a good person? Because I think if God is just, am I being good or am I being bad, then God is all dependent on how well I'm doing. If God's working with me today, oh, things are going well, God's good. If things are going bad, oh, well, God's not with me and God's bad. Does that make sense? So for me, I really, truly try to, I really want to challenge us today. You know, and I think if we're going to try to understand some of those godly concepts. So one thing, God, it can't just be a concept, yeah? It needs to be something in us. But the other thing is that we do need to understand godly concepts. And when we start to get to things like love your enemies, yeah? Now, that's not loving someone that you dislike, I'm talking about someone who's your enemy. Someone who is your enemy is actively out to harm you, to do things bad to you. Yeah? How do you love that sort of person? How do you truly forgive? How do you truly forgive someone who possibly does something horrendous to you? Okay? How do we walk out suffering? Yeah? How do we not trip over when something bad goes on in our life? Yeah? How do we face death? How do we face death? Are we people who have hope in the face of death or are we people who go to pot? How do we love others? How do you truly get over yourself? Yeah? So these are those concepts that I think we really need to understand, okay? And I think there's only truly one way to do that, and that means we have to have God inside of us. It doesn't work any other way. You can try to do those, but I suggest that there's no other way apart from him being inside of us. Does that make sense? And I love, and I sort of think, sorry, (laughs) stop touching your nose. Sorry. 
At least it was only my nose and not my backside. Radio. <laughs> Lost all train of thought. Now, it's hard enough for me to get through my stuff without being sidetracked. <laughs> and then, then I was thinking the other day when God does this concept, why, why did God even break up into sort of God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? You think, why did God... I always sort of sit there and ponder, why did God even do that? You know what I mean? But as, the, as in all answers, when I sit there and go, why did God do that? It's usually the same answer for us. Yeah, he did it for us. Okay, and I think that again, for us to truly understand those concepts, okay, let's think about God. God the Father, yeah, but God the Creator and the Sustainer, yeah, that God out there. And I don't think he ever gets enough for that second bit. We always think of God the Creator, but he is the Sustainer as well. He sustains things. The reality is we're a bunch of little, you know, organisms because if he didn't have his will, we'd all fly apart, yeah? That's in the reality. So God is... God is that. Okay, let's read what the Bible says about God. Let's go to Isaiah 40, 20. Did you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Yeah. Um, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Yeah. That's who we're talking about when we're talking about God. And, you know, I love that last bit there. You know, there are some things that we will never know. And that's okay. Because when I first started, that bothered me. Very much so. Why couldn't I understand? But if you think about our brains and how limited we truly are, that's okay. So there are some things in my life, that's okay. I don't mind that I don't understand them. Jesus, we come to Jesus, okay? He's the first of many sons and daughters born. Yeah, okay, that's who he was. And again, he was the sacrifice. He was our example. Again, I think, you know, the Bible is so much more relevant and real because of Jesus. Again, not only for what he did for us, but his example he lived. And then the Holy Spirit, yeah, that's that breath of God, you know, and that's that thing that we truly need to get on the inside of us. So today when I talk about things, I'm probably primarily talking about that Holy Spirit, that thing that needs to be inside of us. Because truly, the only obstacle to all the things that we do in life is us is self. And self is huge, okay? You know, your drive and our drive for things governs just everything we do. Yeah? And again, I think we need to understand that we've been brought, born into a broken world. This was not God's design, yeah? And again, sometimes this is a hard thing to sort of get your head around when you first start. But the reality is, this is not the design God wanted to. And again, if you think about some of your natural urges and the way we do things, and again, if you think about back to Adam and Eve, what happened, yeah? So they eat from the tree of good and evil. What was the first thing that happened? God comes down, and what do they do? Adam goes, well, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, it was her. You know that person you gave me? She was the one who did this. She gave me the apple. Protect self. What did Eve do? Eve goes, it wasn't my fault, it was that snake, man, it gave it to me, yeah? So protection of self. Our self-preservation will sort of guide us through, it'll be above everything else we have, yeah? And again, I think that we never have to learn a lot of things that come natural to us. Selfishness, being angry, doing things like that, they, they all come very natural to us. We don't have to learn any of this stuff. Go and take a toy off a child. Yeah, you'll soon see all these things that are natural to us, yeah? And these are these things, and again, if you don't really sort of have any way to challenge them, and I truly don't think that you can master just trying to be good, yeah? For a long time, I tried to be good. I tried to be a good Christian. And the reality is, I think we get hammered out in society is because people see us not living up to what we say we are. But that's not the point, yeah? The point isn't anything to do with us being great people. Hopefully, that's something that flows out of us at the end, but the reality is we need to get God inside of us, okay? And us be image bearers of him. There ain't no other way. 
There ain't no other way we're going to do anything of significance, I don't think. Okay, and again, society is fantastic, yeah? Society will package these things up and give them to us, yeah? Very, very well. Okay, fear. They package fear and give it to us every day. Have this insurance, buy this car, it's safe, do all that sort of stuff, yeah? These things are driving love, yeah? Eat this, look like this, wear this, you will be loved by everybody, yeah? Lust, you know what I mean? You deserve it. You need to have that, yeah? You deserve it, mate. You've worked hard. You've had a hard time. Have this, you know what I mean? And again, friendship. Do you know they package friendship for us and put it in a little Facebook and we all depend on how many likes we get and how many friends we've got on Facebook. You know, the reality, look, society is just a reflection of us. So I never get annoyed at society. Society is just a reflection of what we desire and what we want. And unfortunately, sometimes these things get distorted and stuff, and we need to be able to be brought back. And again, I think the only way to do that is to be brought back. It says in Colossians 1, 21 to 22, once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your mind. Yeah, you were enemies in your mind. That's where we fall down. If you talk to most people and stuff like that, where we all fall down is that we get, that's where we have problems in our life, I think, is we become enemies in our mind. Yeah, because of your evil behavior, um, and it says, but now be reconciled by Christ's physical body through death, presented you wholly in his sight without blemish or without accusation. Yeah? Now, when we talk about things that are, where does God help us? Where does God, this is it. Yeah? I think to my, myself, you know, God changes the way things go on in our brains, and this becomes a reality. At the end of the day, we're blameless for all these things. It doesn't mean that we go out and just can do whatever we want. And that's such a bizarre thought, you know. I think sometimes people worry about when you have a bit of freedom in Christ that you're just going to go and do whatever you want. The reality is I think if you truly have inside of you, your desires will be completely different. It will, there will never be that, I want to go and do that. You see it for what it is. You see it for what it is. is it? They're little temptations that take you away from things and are very unfulfilling. Yeah, and I think this is why I love... Kath's message a while ago, you know, just that battlefield of your mind, changing the way your, your mind can think and stuff. It's an important thing for us all to get our heads around. Is that okay? Is everyone with me? <laughs> Haven't? Okay. Slow down. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I get excited. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but again, I think it's overcoming the natural. And again, that's offensive when you first hear it. People don't like it. And I know probably one of the most offensive things I heard when I first started is that my, who I am, is not that great. Yeah, most people don't like hearing that. But again, one of those common themes that I always see in authentic Christians is they understand that. Yeah, they get past that, get past self and actually go, yeah, when I'm honest with myself, I ain't that great. Even at my best, I sort of am not the best. Okay, and it's only anything that we do in our life that is usually any good, it's because of God. And let me tell you, when I first started Christianity, when I, if, I did, if it felt natural, I knew it was wrong. <laughs> that was my guide. But anyway... <clears throat> hasn't changed much. But do you know what I mean? When you naturally react to something, it's usually wrong. Anyway, that's me. You guys are probably way above that stuff. How much did God think about your natural self? What did God think of your natural self? God loved you so much he wanted you to die to your natural self, yeah? It's not my words, it's the Bible, yeah? <laughs> Just so, this is why I say this, because I always say things that are a bit controversial. I say, um, in uh, Colossians 3, 2 to 3, set your mind on things above... Um, that are not earthly things, for you died and you are now hidden in God. Okay, there are many verses in the New Testament that talk about us dying to self. Okay, you can read them. There's many, many of them. Okay, now, and don't misunderstand this comment, okay? God loves you and wants the best for you, okay? Now, if you actually have him inside you, he, you will become the best version of you. Does that make sense? It's not that he doesn't value who you are. God, 
insanely loves who you are and has created you for that very being. And the great thing that I love about looking around churches and stuff like that is I see all of us with our different talents and stuff. There are things in this house that I could not do that other people do so well. Rosie and stuff like that, I, I, yeah, you've heard me sing. If you, don't think that, if you think that there's any difference that everyone can sing, come and stand next to me and then listen to Rosie, yeah? They are such world apart, okay? And I love the fact that we all have our gifts and our talents. Does that make sense? Okay. Again in Colossians 3, 5 to 10, yeah? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lusts, evil desires, greed um, with idolatry, because these things bring the wrath of God, okay? The wrath of God is coming for these things, okay? Let me just quickly stop there. The reality is, because I know there are some hectic verses in the Bible, and sometimes people get really offended by them and stuff, but God only wages war on things that will destroy us that are destructive to us. And if you read any verse, you bring me a verse that sounds really hectic of God, okay, read Revelation, yeah? The reality is he will be warring against things that are bad for us, nothing else. He will only do things that are destroying to us, okay? And it continues on. You, use, you used to walk in these ways, okay? So remember, and just, just a little side note, when, when you hear a lot of these things where it says um, sexual immorality and impurities and lusts and evil desires and stuff, he was actually talking to people that were believers, most of the time when you read in the Bible, when it says things like this, everyone sort of goes, oh, yeah, that's all those other people, not us, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get on to those fruits of the Spirit and stuff, yeah, that's us, isn't it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I sort of struggle with that one a little bit, but I'm pretty good with that one. But let's remember, all these ones that come, the verses that come before, they're also us as well, yeah? Anyway, just a nice side note. <clears throat> but now you must also rid yourselves of all these such things, such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from all your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off all of yourself with these practices and you have put on the new self, yeah, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator, in the image of God, yeah. That's where it all comes down to, man. We are image bearers of God. That's all we need to be, okay? That's the way we're going to be the best we're going to become. And if we're truly going to come over those things like rage and slander and anger, let me tell you, mate, my natural being is anger. Yeah, I'm a bad-tempered so-and-so, mate. Really? Honestly, give him my head. Give him my head. I said to my brother the other week, man, the only reason I come to church is because I need to. <laughs> Not because I'm perfect. I need to be here, yeah? If I didn't get refocused all the time, if I was left, left to my natural ways, let me tell you, I would not be the person I am today in any way, stretch or form. Okay, so for us, I think having the Holy Spirit, yeah? And he sort of, he wants to give you a new way to look at things. And I truly think that once you actually have the Holy Spirit in you, you just look at things differently. The whole world is different. You look through different eyes, different lens, okay? Um, and it changes you from the inside. As much as you try, you will never overcome some of these things unless it comes from the inside. If it's not something that comes out of you, you won't do it. I guarantee you. And that's where people, I think, sort of fall down a lot of the times, okay? And again, if you think about the Bible, the Bible is basically half of it is written for our relationship with God and the other half is our relationship with each other. So when it comes down to the crunch, that's where it actually where it's in, it needs to be. And Dan Moller, he sort of challenges and he said, salvation needs to be far more than a prayer that gets us into heaven. Yeah? It needs to be far more than that. So when you accept Christ and you sort of start this journey and stuff like that, it's only the beginning. And it needs to be something that we help and foster and stuff. And as churches, you know, we should be people that help people walk that out. If we truly are going to go into society and do any sort of good or take anything that, that we take for granted out of this book, we need to be authentic. And the only way you're going to be authentic is that you actually... Um, I forgot what I was going to say. That was good. Anyone know what I was going to say? That was bad, wasn't it? 
Yeah, we're going to take it because we have God's image in us. That's right, Sarah. Thank you. The only way you're going to be able to do that is that you have that inside you. Yeah? There's no other way that we're going to do anything. And again, I think that it should make us wake and we should not be people that are sin conscious. Yeah, we shouldn't wake every day being sin conscious that we're going to muck up today. I'm never going to really make up. I'm going to do that. We should be people who wake up every day, thank God for who he is and go, yep, okay, thank you God for everything you're doing in my life. I'm going to try to you know, reflect you each day. Does that make sense? It's a different thing that I'm going to fail every day. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to really be, yeah? And we should never be that. That should never be our focus and stuff. That way, we, you know, eventually are, we're going to be doing that, yeah? And, you know, I talk to myself more than anything with this stuff, you know what I mean? You know, and having children and all those things, you know, very simple to, you know, get you off track. But the reality is, you know, it needs to be personal. You need that personal relationship. We are only ever going to be as good as we are by ourselves in our room with God, yeah? That time you spend with God and stuff like that, that's, we're only going to be as good as that, nothing else. Let me put this out there, yeah? Satan isn't interested in you. He's interested in getting the word out of you. Yeah? Does that make sense? Again, that's Dan, not me, yeah? But I think that's a great concept. He's not interested in you. He's not interested in you personally. He just wants the image. And if he can distort the image of God that should be in you, he's done his job. If he can keep your mind on his job, being annoyed with someone, being angry at something and stuff like that, he's done his job. He doesn't need to destroy your life. He doesn't need to do all these horrible things to you. If he can keep the image of God out of us, then he's done his job. And, if you, and, and truly, if you need to look at what goes on in the world and in society. If you don't have people who stand in the gap, like Mark said the other week, if we don't have people who stand in the gap, then all this stuff is for no use at all. And there's no use that we all know this lovely word and we do not help the world. Does that make sense? So yeah, so I think that that's an important thing. You know, At the end of the day, he's not interested in you. Now, I know that things are sort of becoming wrong in my life when it becomes too easy and I feel like, yeah, that's what I should do. And I, you always feel justified, don't you? I think every time that you think something, you know, when you sort of know that you're not on track, is it always feels justified. Yeah, I've worked hard for this. Yeah, those people were horrible to me. Yeah, I need some time for myself. I need to go into my cave. Every bloke here knows that feeling. Yeah, just leave me alone. And you have this right, yeah? It's my right to do what I want, Yeah. That's where I think a lot of times where we sort of get to that point where we feel justified in the way we feel or what we want to sort of condone. So this morning, I'm going to give you three rights of an authentic Christian. Now, this is just Swelly's version, okay? So don't, you can make up your own and stuff like that. Either believe mine, not, whatever. But I think these are three rights as a Christian. Holy dooly, where'd that come from? <laughs> That's what happens when you have Perno on, on, uh, on, the, on the AV for you. <clears throat> Talking about doing things in excellence, Perno texted me at 7 o'clock in the morning and said, is there anything I can do for you on AV? So thank you, Perno. That was huge. Okay, so three rights as an authentic Christian. The first one, you have the right to suffer. <laughs> yeah? For Christ and for doing good. Okay? Let's go. Here's where some of the verses all come in. First Peter 2 to 20. But how is it that it is credited to you... Um, Sorry, it is credited if you receive a beating for doing the wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing God and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, living an example that you should follow him in his footsteps. Yeah. So the reality is we, get, we should suffer for doing good. Okay. That's the reality of our life. And for people who ponder what should I do as a Christian and where's my calling as a Christian, you should suffer. There's an uplifting verse for you, isn't there? Hooray, let's go home. But the reality is, you know what I mean, that's, what, that's where it is. Do you know what I mean? We shouldn't be people who go to pot when things don't go our way. Does that make sense? And I think suffering is probably one of the most misunderstood things in the Christian world. 
okay? I think that many of us sort of wake up and daily, on a daily basis, pray for nothing to go wrong in our life. We pray for everything to be fine. Yeah, we pray for our kids for nothing to happen to our children. Is that reality? I don't, honestly, I think if you get this stuff in your mind, it's not really reality. Now, this is even going to, you reckon that last verse was hectic? This is even going to be worse. Now, this is in Hebrew eleven thirty-five to 40. Now, this is actually summarizing some of the old people in the, test, the, old, in the Old Testament that before sort of Christ's time, and things were credited to them. Please make sure that you read all of Hebrews 11. It's an amazing verse, and it talks about all these old people in the, in the, in the, in the Old Testament and how God credited them. But this is the life that they lived, yeah? Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better um, um, resurrection. Some faced jeering and flogging and and, um, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by the stone. They were sawn in two. Ever been sawn in two? Yeah, that's a bad day. They were killed by the sword. They were about. They they went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, um, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Yeah, these are the people of God before Christ sort of come along. Yeah, they wandered in the desert and in the mountain, and they lived in caves and they were in holes and they were in the ground. They were all about. They were all condemned by their by their faith. Yet. None of them received what they um, had been promised since God had a plan, something better for us and, for, um, and that only together with us would they be made perfect. Yeah? These are the people that went before us. Yeah? So things have to be better and it has to be more than, please can I get a green light? Please can my boss be nice to me today? These are the people, this is the, the reality of living the life. They didn't even get recognized in their time. It was after their time. And again, we are those people that need to think that there is something bigger and better for us at the end of it all. Whatever's going on in our life now, we need to think that there's something bigger and better. Yeah, we cannot be people that are derailed because things are not going well. Now, it's easy for me to stand here and say that because I don't have anything particularly going wrong in my life, but I hope that when I'm put to the test, that that is what will come out of me. Again, I don't really think life should look perfect for us, but I think if we have the right vision, then things will be right. Yeah, Things will be right if we have the right vision. And 1 Peter 2, 23-24 says... When they heard, this is talking about Christ, yeah, this is the way Christ reacted to things. When they heard insults at him, he did not um, sorry, retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges, judges justly, yeah? And so when we get to those things where God is, things are going bad, oh, sorry. When things are going bad and things don't make sense, we just have to understand and have faith that God is someone who judges justly. Yeah, because there are times when you'll question all that in your head, and we should never. We just need to have that as a foundation for us that he is. He himself bore the sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By the wounds you have been healed. Yeah. And for many of us in the room, thank goodness that is something that is you know, central and core to who we are. We've been saved for, by him, for him. And again, when bad things happen, we shouldn't be people who go, why me? Why not? Why should it not be you? Why should it not be us? Why should things, you know, God did not, and again, this is what Dan sort of challenges us. He says, God didn't, didn't die for us so that we would have a perfect day or that we would have blessings, yeah? He died so the image of God could become on the inside of us. That's what he died for, yeah? And we shouldn't let circumstances talk louder than the truth. His word should come first and foremost in our minds, 
Yeah, we shouldn't let circumstances. And again, if you try to find God in your circumstances that are going poorly, sorry. <laughs> See, thank goodness we have people that have got OCD because it was up to me to be just wet all day. Thank you. I'll have a drink now. Are we okay? Sorry. I know this is probably heavy at the moment. I'll try to get to lighter things in a second. <clears throat> again, yeah, I think, you know, God paid that price so his image could be put onto us. And again, I think if we are people, if we understand the old, you know, in Romans it says, you know, that when we, when we go through struggles, you know, it builds, it builds perseverance in us and perseverance builds character and then character builds hope. Yeah, and not that wishy-washy hope that I hope things, but true hope. Hope that is based in something real and you know that what's going to come is going to be something. And I think true authentic hope is some of those, something that we truly need to hang on to. And again, walk with some people that have really had to hope for things, that have actually had to hope that this will actually change. And there are many characters in the Bible, which I love the Bible for that, that it gives us many characters that have walked through hectic things and have come out the other end. And some of their, um, they have that real faith that just keeps them going. Steve Furtick says that often we pay for a deliverance and God will give us a situation to show us his love or his character. So a lot of times we're going, get me out of this, get me out of this. And God's going, no, no, I want you to build something. So then you actually have character and then when things come to, to be tested, you'll have hope. Okay? So again, let's not be people that when a trial comes that we just all go to pot. Trials should never discourage us, yeah? And again, I've heard many people sort of say things like, oh, God's not walking with me. Oh, I can't hear God and he's not there and stuff. Can I just suggest God never changes? And sometimes we're just letting our circumstance talk louder than God does. And I think that the only way that you're ever going to battle through anything that's really significant is you dive deeper into him. Sarah last week was talking about, you know, how do we bind up things in heaven and stuff? How do we bind up things of the devil? The only true way I think that you're ever going to do that is that you fall deeper into him. Because if we try to do it, it'll never happen. <clears throat> Let his truth talk, yeah. And again, it's those things of just waking daily and God and going, God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for what you're building in me. Thank you and help me just get through this, yeah? It's not easy. These are things that take a long time and stuff like that, yeah? Paul says when he gets to the end of it, he says, this is in um, Colossians 1.24. He says, Now I rejoice that in what I've suffered for you and, and I'm filled up with my flesh, what is still lacking in regards to Christ's um, affections. For... Sorry, yeah, afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, okay? So Paul gets to the end of all of the things, and if you ever want to read a person who had a hectic time, is Paul, okay? But he gets to the end of it, and he says, he thanks you, he says I thank you for everything that you've put me through, and again, it's all been for the sake of the church. Do us who sit in church each week think that that's, do we think that way? Do we think, thank goodness for all the stuff that we're going through, because then that brings us together as people, yeah? And I think, again, these are just things, the concepts that challenge us. I'm not here to certainly say I've got any of this right. Number two, to be an authentic Christian, yeah, we have the right to love, yeah. First and foremost, above everything else, we have the right to love, to love God, to love ourselves, and to love um, others, okay. First and foremost, above others. And again, again, I think having those concepts that we do have, for, we are in a broken world and stuff like that, and again, that we've been cut off from that perfect version of love. Yeah. Again, remember that we've been cut off from that because I think sometimes we have this, and again, some of those natural urges that come out of us, you know, they're not beneficial for us. But again, there is a perfect version and we can tap into that. In Colossians 3, um, 
12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other um, and forgive one another. If any of you have um, grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you and, um, and all other... Sorry. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in a perfect unity. Okay, so that's what love does. It binds all these things together in us and stuff. So again, if we truly want to react to something and stuff like that, God, you know, love is that thing that's really going to, to take it to, to us. Does that make sense? It's not that just romantic feeling. It's not that nice feeling and stuff. And Dan would suggest sometimes when people say, I love you, it's more that I need you. Yeah? Yeah? If you think about what sometimes when the people say, oh, I love you and stuff, it's probably more that I need you, I need your affection, I need what you're going to give to me, you know what I mean? And then if we're dependent on other people and what other people feel about us, then that's when we're going to go bad because I'm only going to be as good as that person gives me love back. If we truly understand this godly concept of love and stuff, and these are those things, when you think, oh, how do I know that things are working in me and stuff? If compassion and com- com- um, kindness and humility are the things that naturally come out of you, you can sort of pretty much suggest you're heading along the right direction. Does that make sense? Cool. And again, I think true love sees the created value in every person. Every person. Not just people here, not just people there. Every person. You know? And it never thinks of self. True love never thinks of self first. So again, if you're thinking of yourself first, generally you've got it sort of wrong, I would suggest. That's harsh, isn't it? But anyway, I think we're sort of probably, you know, sometimes we just miss it if, if all you're thinking about is, is it? And again, you have, to, you have to really drill down on that. Those things don't come naturally sometimes. You really have to drill down. Am I thinking of myself first in this situation before others and stuff? And I think it's important for us to be around people that have truly walked out love, yeah? I've looked after some amazing people in my job. And one of the th- themes I always see, people that have got, say, disabled children that have looked after them for 20 years and stuff like that. You know, I see people who see who they are and what they are, not what they don't have. Yeah? You talk to any person who looks after a disabled person or something, they will always see who they are and what's in them more than what's not there. Every other person probably looks at them and sees what's not there. You look at someone who has a dementia, a husband or a, or a wife that's, you know, after 40 or 50 years starts to lose who they were. Yeah? They see who they were and they say who they're going to be. Yeah? That's what they see. You, know? you walk in and you just see a confused old person and they see the person who was there. Yeah? Are we people who see with that eyes? Yeah, and that's faith. That's faith, yeah? That's serious faith, not just wishy-washy faith. Anyway, like I said, I value my job immensely for that. Okay, when most people talk about love, they talk about the golden rule, okay? So they talk about Matthew 22, 37 or 40, okay? Jesus replied, Love the Lord with all of your... Um, to, sorry, to love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Is that familiar to most people? Yeah, even if you talk to people outside the church, that's what they'd say. That's what the version of love is. I just want to, I've got three little things I want to pull out of this this morning, okay? It's all a bunch of threes today. Is everyone okay? Okay. First thing is that he wants all of you. First thing that comes to me out of that, he wants your whole thing. He wants your heart, your mind, your soul. God wants everything. He doesn't want half of you. He doesn't want to be a nice concept that's up on the wall. He doesn't want to be a platitude on the wall. He wants you to put all of yourself in there, yeah? And that's a challenge. I think if we actually really all truly drill down on that, it's a challenge. The second thing is the way we love others is dependent on how much we love ourselves. That's huge to me. 
How much you love yourself is how much you're going to love others. Do you love yourself? Do people truly, actually, honestly, in yourself, love yourself, yeah? Yeah? In a real godly way. Because sometimes I think a lot of people really don't. I don't think they respect themselves. If I see people who do things that are just disastrous, it's usually out of having no respect for themselves. Okay? And I think when you see eyes and stuff like that, yeah, I'll be very honest, lust and stuff, you know what I mean? When you truly see with the eyes of God, it's horrendous. Yeah? When you see it with the eyes of man, it looks attractive. Yeah? And I think it's a bizarre thought because if we truly understand how much God has actually forgiven us and the grace that he's given all of us and then we don't apply that to anyone else outside, what a bizarre concept. Why would, he, why would we expect that we get it and then it doesn't come to others? I just, it's strange. I just find that insanely strange that we do that. And the third thing is where it says that the law is summed up. Yeah, what does that mean, you know? So I quickly want to just have a quick look at that when we talk about the law. I might just summarize some of these. Now, when it talks um, in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, this is the fruit of the Spirit, yeah? These are the things of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and stuff. But at the end of it, it says, and against all these things, there is no law. What? Why is there no law? The reality is, I think, if God is inside you, there is no law. You don't need a law. If godly things are inside you, they will come out of you naturally. And I think we need to think, you know, that the law was only a shadow of what was to come. Yeah, and it actually says over in Galatians 15 to 54 and 57, and again, I'll summarize this. This is talking about death and how Christ has overcome death, okay? And at the end of it, he will say, he says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So the reality is the law only ever pointed to the need for God. Yeah, the law only convicts us all. The law takes us all and goes, yep, you're convicted. And the penalty of that was death. So the reality is... Christ has fulfilled all of that, yeah? So that's an important concept, I think, for us again to know that all of those rules and stuff like that, God has actually fulfilled them. And again, if we have God in us, he's fulfilled all those laws. Does that make sense? Because, and I think the way this comes to ground is for most of us, what do most people out in society know about the church? Rules and laws. It's what we've taken to them. We've gone, okay, you guys are all wrong. This is the way you should live. The reality is what we need to lead with is love. Yeah, that's what the only right we have for anyone out there is to leave with love. Nothing else. Those things will follow. I mean, what about if they swear and they drink and they still smoke? So what? It don't mean nothing. Yeah? What you need to do is hopefully share with them the image of God and stuff like that, and then hopefully they will get convicted. Because as much as you go out there and tell them, oh, that's a really bad thing to do, what, what is that? You know what I mean? And I find it strange that unfortunately for us, many of us have been known for just that's where the church has been. You know, they know that, oh, yeah, we condemn and we look down on people. And it's a really bad image, you know. We should be people that just are humble, who go, yep, I know that I need God. And that's, does that make sense? Yeah? There's no way that we can talk to people if we don't talk in a love. And, you know, really inspired God, godly love, you know, inspired love. Not just wishy-washy sort of, oh, yeah, that's nice, yeah, be a good person. Because there are times to challenge people. There are times to sort of be there. But you need to have a relationship and you need to have worked in that person's life to be able to have the right to speak into their life. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, if you really want to drill down on it and stuff, this is in Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and this is the way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I've never ever heard this preached. I don't know. There actually is a law of Christ, and it is that we carry each other's burdens. So God, Christ summarized all of the laws of the Old Testament and everything like that, however many it was, 600 or whatever. Yeah? And now he's actually going, I've got a law for you. You love each other. Yeah? 
You want to be, you want to say your mind, you want to be image bearers of mine, then love each other. That's my law to you. Which I think is incredible, really. I think if we think about it, that takes that takes putting up with each other <laughs> to a whole new level, and that ain't enough. Yeah? That's like saying, oh, I really I try to forgive them. No, you know, that, you've missed it. If you're trying to forgive, you missed it. The reality is you forgive or you don't. Do you know what I mean? So again, I think in the same way, let us be people that truly understand these things. Because again, I think if we're going to be people that sort of step into the step into the froze, we need to be people that are binded together with each other. And again, if we're going to truly challenge those concepts of like love your enemies and stuff, the only way we're truly going to do that is in his values, yeah? If we're going to forgive our enemies and stuff, it has to be out of him and stuff like that. And again, if we know what Christ did for us, these things will become very natural and stuff. You know what I mean? It needs to be the thing that drives us. Love needs to be that thing that drives everything that we do. You know, I find it strange when people go, oh, I don't want to be, I don't, I'm not drink driving because I might get caught by the cops. The reality is you might kill someone. That should be your drive. Not that I might get penalized and caught by the cops. Yeah? So again, let us not be Christians that, oh, we might just get in trouble or we might have a bad image. The reality is let us be people. Yeah? This is the reason that we do things. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 13, who thinks I'm going to pull out the definition of love? No, I'm not going to. In two. Yeah, if I have the gifts, and this is where love really comes to the ground. Yeah, this is where God talks about love really, really, really. Okay, if I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, not just some mysteries, all mysteries, and all knowledge. Yeah, and I have faith that can move mountains. So this isn't just a little bit. This is people who walk with God and do amazing things for God. But if you do it with no love, it's all for nothing. So if we don't, who knows that you can be right and have the wrong and have the wrong heart behind it. Anyone who's a parent in this room should put your hand up. Yeah. So you can be right, but if you do it out of the wrong love, it doesn't mean anything. So again, for whatever we do, anything that we do that is either nice or good and stuff, you know, it needs to be out of these things. Does that make sense? Okay, enough about love. Third thing, to be, an, I think, an authentic Christian and stuff like that. And I think, unfortunately, this one is above all things. This is even above all of those things because all those things can be true. But the biggest thing that I think that we, need, that we have a right to do is choice. Your biggest thing that we have is choice. Your choice. Because all of these things may be true and God will never force you to do anything. So if we don't choose to do these things, it doesn't matter how right they are. It doesn't matter how right this book is. It doesn't matter how good a church is. If we don't choose to do that, it doesn't mean anything. Does that make sense? Yeah? Now, I've been lucky enough recently to probably lose about 10 kilos. Yeah? Roughly eight, maybe. Maybe stretching it up, round it up. It's harder than rounding it down. Now, that's got nothing to do with me. It's all to do with my wife, Kath. Yeah? Thank goodness she's so disciplined with food and stuff like that. It's got nothing to do with me. But the reality is, it's all what I shove in my pie hole. Yeah? It's all what I put in my mouth. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with anything else. And I think to myself, so all of those options are out there, but the reality is, what do we choose to do? And I think as Christians, it's the same thing. What do we choose to dine on? What do we choose to let in and out of our life? Okay, that's the reality. Again, all this can be truth, but if you don't let it into your life, it means absolutely nothing. But we need to be people that truly are based in things that are real. Okay, first thing about this, I think, is faith. One of the first things we need to have is faith. And it's not that vague, wishy-washy faith. It needs to be really important faith, yeah? Faith that truly sees things for the future. In Hebrews 11:6, it actually says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's pretty heavy. Yeah? So if we're not people that can actually truly think and see in ahead and stuff like that, it doesn't actually mean anything. 
Okay, and over in Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, it actually says, now this is faith, and I think this is a great, very, this is a great version of faith. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. So remember we were talking about hope being built up in us? The reason hope is important is because then that will give us faith. Faith to know that God has walked with us through this and, know, and then we know that we can see this coming ahead. Yeah, We need to be people that see that. And again, when we're walking through bad situations or other people are walking through bad situations, you can walk with them and be faithful to them and walk through them and hopefully say, look, there is a bigger and there is a better hope and stuff. Yeah. So I think that faith is one of those things that are hugely for us. And in fact, in John 8, 51, it says, Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. So are we people who believe that we will never see death? So when we're faced with death, are we people who go, yeah, that's great, this is for a time now, but I'm here. Yeah, are we? Are we people who do that? I don't know. You know, when we're faced with people that are dying from cancer or something like that, are we people that actually can go, no, no, there's a bigger picture for this, yeah? Okay, and have faith to step into those sorts of things. <clears throat> And, you know, one of the, I think one of the, most in, the, one of the things that is dynamic about sort of when we pray for people is most of the time, and off, I think more often than not, it's actually more about our faith than the other person's. Sometimes we actually depend, I think, on what the person's faith is. But the reality is if you're the person praying for them, whether they believe or they don't believe, it's actually on our faith. How much do we truly believe that these things are going to happen and actually come to fruition? Does that make sense? So I think a lot of it's just if we have our head in the right spot, it'll be good. The second thing is covenant versus feelings yeah now mark brought this sort of message a while ago and i really love the concept and stuff so a a covenant is something that's like a contract or an agreement something that you actually commit to and stuff and god did this in the past for us and he committed to things and stuff so are we people that are committed to things yeah or do we base things on our feelings do i feel like it do i feel like coming to church today do i feel like doing this do i feel like being um do i feel like sort of being honest in my job do i feel like working hard today do you know? Or are we people that actually just committed and go, yep, I'm going to commit to that. So I'd challenge us today, what is something that you need to commit to in your life? You know, are we people that are committed to something or do we just sort of crack along? Does that make sense? And again, the last thing is, let's not be people that are so easily offended. Yeah? Let's not be people that are just, do you know, like it's, it blows my mind sometimes, yeah? And if you're complaining or you're carrying hurt about something, you know what I mean? Or you're offended about something or you have offense, the reality is you just have a landing strip for things, yeah? You just have a big open landing strip, there it is, land on me. Yeah, I mean, and you just walk in that all of the time. We teach our children not to have buttons to be pressed. And then we're sort of, okay, as adults, we are, oh, no, no, I'm going to be offended with things. I truly think if we walk around in these things, we're just, we're missing the point. And not only it'll sidetrack you, that image of God will not be in you because everything else will be in you and stuff, yeah? So again, let's be people. And again, we should be, we should, you know, and let's, I'll just say this, yeah, yeah. This is Dan, so if you don't like it, blame him. No one owes you anything. No one owes you anything. God, you know, nothing in this world owes you anything. No person owes you anything. Nothing, yeah? Because our faith should be in God, yeah? He's your shield, he's your rock, he's your rest, he's your person. Yeah, I mean, no one in this life, you shouldn't be dependent on anyone for anything. Does that make sense? Which I think is challenging, you know what I mean? Because I think sometimes, you know, we carry these things as hurt and it's not good for us, yeah? And it doesn't sort of let us be people who we could be. So why are all these things important? Why have we even talked about these things? Like in all things in life, it's actually for others. 
Nothing that we truly do is really for ourselves. Everything that we do is actually for others because I think out there is a hurting world, okay? There is a world, people have battlefields in their minds. You know, there are people out there who truly need our love, yeah? There are chains around most people. And if you start to see people and stuff like that, you don't see, you know, angry people or things that people are doing things wrong. You just see people that are hurt in some sort of a way or another. You know what I mean? And again, just reflect on your own way you were before things. So again, and you know, and I, and I see more and more, I watch that, um, that documentary on Billy Graham and stuff, you know what I mean? If you haven't watched it on Netflix, please watch it. It's amazing. And again, there are generations where just you need to stand in the gap. You know what I mean? They, they had a, you know, sort of apartheid and they had like, you know, the Cold War and stuff on, you know, and these were people who could stand in the gap. And I think God will equip us for us to stand in the gap, wherever that gap be. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, the world needs people that will stand in the gaps of the wall, yeah, for us to be there. And again, there's something that I just, we don't get is the eternal perspective. Yeah, so what we do now and stuff like that, and what we build in our kids and then the general, we, you can't fathom what goes on, what conversations you have, what you build in people and stuff. We can never, I think, really truly see where that all sort of goes, okay? So I think for us, you know, whatever we do, know that it isn't for us and it's for other people. And again, when, when you get to that, how do I know that it's me or is it God, you know? Always these things, oh, is it me or is it God and stuff like that? You know what I mean? And again, I think many people have different versions of that, you know what I mean? But, you know, for me, I think those natural desires and stuff change, you know? My natural thoughts change. That's how I know that I'm working out of sort of God more than I'm working out of myself. Okay, so to summarize, I'm sure everyone's ready to crack now. Okay. <clears throat> again, I think just as a real overall thing, it's got to be um, personal. Your relationship, it can't be anything else than personal. We are only ever going to be as good in this church as we are individually. Yeah, we're only going to be able to sort of do things out there as much as we are individual here. And again, I think God needs to be more than a concept and stuff. But again, we truly need to understand godly concepts. And remember that the battlefield in the mind, it goes on for most people. And that's where most of us will sort of come unhinged. Yeah, I mean, we really truly need God to be inside us. And again, that we clothe ourselves with him. Okay, and again, that the Holy Spirit is something that we push into every day. This just doesn't ma magically happen. As what I think Mark said the other week, who knows in Christianity, nothing just magically happens. Yeah, things don't magically happen. We don't magically make things happen and stuff like that. We have to walk in this daily and daily and daily and get back to it and stuff. It should never be a burden. It should never be hard, but it is something that we need to be disciplined at. Yeah, and again, let's not be people who walk around sin conscious all day and just worried about how bad we're going to be and how, how we miss up with things and stuff. Let's pursue him daily and believe in him and then things will sort of, I think we'll have the right perspective. And again, for us to be authentic Christians, know that we're going to go through some hard times. We, are, we should never be people who go, yeah, I'm going to pray and it's all going to be an easy life. You know, let's love unconditionally, that really true, truly godly love, yeah? And again, choose him daily, daily, yeah? And have people of faith, be people that are committed, yeah? covenant over things, not just feelings, and yeah, and without offense. Let's be people who walk without offense. I remember at Christmas, this Christmas, I spoke to my brother, and he said, he was, he said to me something about church, and he said, oh, yeah, I've read the Bible. I've read all the Bible and stuff like that, read it from um, start to finish, and I said to him, and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't argue with him and stuff, and I said, but I said, oh, yeah, I've read a book on how to fly a plane, but I've got no idea on how to fly a plane, you know, so I think let's be people, if we're going to, you know, if, if our life and God is the plane, yeah? Let him drive it, yeah? That's all I'd say to us all. Let us be people that God takes over and runs things for us. Because, as I said right at the beginning, yeah, it's not all about you, but, you know, it's got nothing to do with you, yeah? It's all about you, though, because we're the people that have got to make the choice, but it's all about God. Does that make sense? So it's all us that have got to make the choice, but then once we do, God will come in and just let him drive the bus or fly the plane or whatever analogy you want. Thank you so much this morning. Thanks, Swelly. How good was that? I love the, the rights, the right to suffer, the right 
to love and the right to choose. Oh, yeah, we'll get to um, Dean and Rosie, I mean, Adam and Rosie up to sing. And I just had a couple of thoughts. Um, I was listening to a message from Sam Monk and he talked about some of the things that Swelly was talking about. And he talks about how in our society we worship comfort, how it's just, you know, we want life to be easy. It's natural that our pull is towards things that make life easy, towards ourself. And so I love Swelly touched on that and he said... Sam actually says, you know, it's easy to sit back and have opinions, but not to live by example. Often that's more of a stretch to live by example and to actually um, be following, I guess, God's example. And um, he said that there's been studies done that show that people who are the healthiest are ones who have chosen meaning over comfort. And so I think for us as followers of Jesus, we're on a mission and there's meaning in our life. So we're willing to embrace the stretch, the suffering that just comes with life because we're on a mission and we have meaning. And so I think that makes us healthy, happy people ultimately. And I just wanted to add to, Swelly spoke about the suffering. Um, not that Swelly in, implied this at all, but I just want to clarify, God doesn't harm us. God doesn't send suffering. It actually says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has come to give us a hope and a future not to harm us. And so God doesn't send, I guess, suffering and pain. It's just life. There's obstacles. There's enough pain in life on its own. And I think um, that through that, as Swelly said, God develops hope within us. He develops character and substance to sustain us. Another thing that Sam Monk says, if the process doesn't make you the destination will break us. And Dean spoke so well about faithfulness, I think, last... Was it last week? Yeah, and he spoke about as we're faithful with what God has given us, he'll give us more. And do you know what? We can't contain the more unless God has developed something of largeness and capacity and character. So what Swell is talking about with that suffering, God wants to develop something in us so we can step into the more of what he has for us. So let's stand. And I just want to say that prophesy 2019 and we'll share more next week but God is calling us into more and I know that as the suffering comes as the pain comes as we have to live by example even when maybe we're embracing the stretch I know God is developing something within us so that we can be entrusted with more and the more is always about kingdom and people and influence um, loving others and so who is excited for that awesome we're going to finish with be exalted all right let's sing that thanks guys